0: Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here this morning. As I come to the, uh, to the Master's uh, College, I'm, I'm always looking for the way the school is evolving. And it's become a very beautiful campus, and I, I like to come early and take a stride through the lover's lane that there is right in front of the music hall and, and go to the cafeteria and have a cup of coffee there and just uh, enjoy the beauty of the campus. My daughter is a senior in uh, senior in high school. I'm hoping and praying she'll be here this next fall. So uh, pray about that please. She's already spoken for guys so don't put your hopes up too high. Not not really not really. I just I'm hoping she'll come next fall. She's she's praying for that and and um, I love the school this is my first choice for my for my, my own children and uh, she's my last and so I'm hoping she'll come here. I understand we had a, a holiness conference this week, and um, I'm the final speaker in this whole holiness emphasis. It's uh, difficult to come and be the last guy on the agenda. I had a, different sermons lined up, and I kept calling during the week to find out what the different fellows were preaching on. And every time they preached, I, I heard the titles that they were preaching. I had to throw the sermon away and get another one to take its place. So um, I'm down to my last sermon. But I'd like you to take your Bibles and open them to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. For our text this morning. Chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, we'll be looking at verses 6 and following. You've heard about sexual purity. You've heard about purity of the mind. You've heard about call to to service and purity and devotion to, to serving God. And this morning... As um, the Lord led it upon my heart to find what to bring to you, he directed me to chapter 4 of, of First Timothy, at verse 6, where Paul says to Timothy, In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of, and of the sound doctrine which you have been following, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit. But godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. Prescribe and teach these things. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed upon you through the prophetic utterance or the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will ensure the salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Very, very few of them overweight, all of them with uh, the finest, finest figures and finest forms and all the men. Uh, this is the Prime of life where you find uh, you find yourselves really disciplined and it's a time to do that i want to speak this morning though in relation to this text on the fact that uh, the apostle paul tells us you and i that we ought to be disciplined for the purpose of godliness on our minds we're thinking about bodily discipline we're doing about push-ups and doing aerobics and all these things to keep our bodies in shape disciplined in the area of godliness how are you and I going to keep ourselves from becoming sexually involved? I mean, to be a young person today, and I'll tell you this truthfully, to be a young person today in your, in your situation is a lot more difficult than it was when I was growing up. You have a lot more temptations. There's a, a lot more freedom out there. Things doing things that we never thought about. Things uh, taking place on television, on the newspaper, every place you go. Things that when I was growing up in, in your day and age, in my day when I was your uh, your age, Things like that were not taking place. And if you and I are to stay sexually pure, if you and I are to are to keep our minds trained on Christ, if you and I are to are to keep our walk with God the way it ought to be, we need to take what Paul is saying to us here very seriously. To not just concentrate on the discipline of our body. And Paul says that it profits a little bit. It is it is good to to get out and exercise. But he says Uh, Above that, uh, of more importance, is that you and I should be disciplined under godliness. Now, the word discipline is the word gumnazo. Gumnadzo, and that's the word where you and I get gymnasium from. We're in a gymnasium here. And it's a Greek term that had to do with with exercise, with discipline. Had to do with with getting down and, and really exercising ourselves. And so Paul said, get yourself into a spiritual gymnasium and discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Now the word godliness there is a very interesting term. It has to do with outward religion. It has to do with the rituals of of a religious life. It has to do with, with not only the inward form, but also the outward form of how you and I should conduct ourselves. And so my exhortation this morning to ourselves, because Paul says if we are disciplined towards godliness, if we take ourselves and get ourselves disciplined and trained and exercised for godliness, then this holds a double promise. It's good for us today for the present life and it holds also that which is, which is coming when you and I stand before Christ and he, and he says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. We can show Him a good track record. And also for the present life, to be able to enjoy life and not be a spiritual catastrophe along the way. It was a double promise. And the Apostle Paul adds in verse 9, It is also a trustworthy statement deserving not half acceptance, but deserving full acceptance. And so, my dear friends, I simply want to lay before you the exhortation. That just the way you exercise your body in the push-ups, in the sit-ups, in the aerobics, in your health, the way you keep your body in check, the way you discipline yourself, the bodily discipline, that we look at our spiritual life as well. Look at our spiritual life and exercise it in exactly the same way, actually even, even, even better because it is of more importance. Discipline, he says, train yourselves for the purposes of godliness. Now, if you and I are going to keep ourselves sexually pure in a wicked and perverse generation, we're going to keep our minds from being influenced by the, by the secular, humanistic, ungodly media. If you and I are going to be effective ministers in a world that is becoming increasingly secular and non-Christian, the solution is going to be since we can't depend upon the umbrella of protection around us supplied by our government and supplied by other leaders, then it's going to come down to the individual way that you and I live. And so this morning I simply want to lay before you, not to repeat what has been said this week, the secret to holiness, the secret to a holy life. William Law wrote a book that's, that, that sparked, that sparked, that sparked the, uh, the great awakening with John Wesley and George Whitfield, And the book was entitled, A Serious Call to a Devote and Holy Life by William Law. What a title, huh? A Serious Call to a Devote and Holy Life. John Wesley got a hold of the book and changed his life. George Whitfield got a hold of the book and changed his life. And these two men got a hold of the world and changed the world. All because they took the admonition of the Apostle Paul seriously. They disciplined themselves for the purpose of godliness. This morning, I want to exhort myself, along with you, that we come to this text and we see ourselves and we take ourselves and we begin to, today in this school, today in our preparation, we begin to also discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. Let me submit to you the three disciplines that I think will help you. If you make these disciplines your lifelong disciplines, I think they'll go a long ways to giving you a protective shield against immorality, a protective shield against, against lukewarmness, a protective shield against the other isms of the world that will destroy your happiness in Jesus Christ. Now they're very simple. They're very simple, but they have to do with the discipline and the godliness. Let me submit to you three of these. Now, some of you may already be been doing these things, and I, I, I just want to say praise God for that. But it's possible, and I know it is, that we're not all there. Let me share these three. Just mark them down on the side of your margin, maybe your Bible there. Discipline and the godliness, three things. Number one, that we have our discipline in our devotional life. Our discipline in our devotional life. That we make our devotional life our daily discipline. Some of us are very, we're very religious in our exercise of our bodies. This morning you got up and you ran 15 miles. Or you did your push-ups or you did your aerobics and you do it religiously. We use the term religiously. Faithfully. And God who says to us, in the same way, we should practice a personal devotional life and do that faithfully. Do that faithfully. Let me ask an honest question this morning, my dear friends. It's getting hot in here, isn't it? Let me ask an honest question this morning. Do you... Uh... That's just a coat. No body in it. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you... Uh... We don't need this anymore, do we? Have you had your quiet time this morning? that a quiet time. See, it begins there. The discipline, the godliness begins in our personal devotional time, spending time with God. How shall a young man cleanse his ways? The psalmist says to us. And then in that text it mentions, it does so by taking heed thereunto to thy word. That as you and I come to the word of God, and we spend time with God, our personal devotional life, that's a very personal question, but it's a personal question because it has to do with the discipline and the godliness. To begin, to begin the training, to begin the personal discipline, the exercise of spending time with God on a regular basis. Now, it's easy for us in in in, in our busyness, in our in our schoolwork. It's easy for us. To not do it, let it go by. And to go weeks and weeks and weeks and have a lifetime. You know, I went through college. I went through a Christian college. I went through a Christian seminary. And it wasn't until I was a pastor that I actually began to have a daily quiet time with God. I'm ashamed of that, friends. I'm ashamed to tell you that. And it wasn't the fault of the professors. And it wasn't the fault of the school. It wasn't anybody's fault, but my fault. And there have been many times in my life where I have been on... In those times, I was on the brink of disaster. Many times in my youthful life when I was walking on the tightrope on the edge of a personal disaster. And I'm here only today because of the grace of God. Because in my ignorance, in my stiff-necked heart and my own personal carnality that God just uh, went out of his way and preserved me. Preserved me. But after all these years, do not be disciplined in the godliness. Now this morning, if you and I are going to be a holy people, we need to begin to get our act together and put first things first. And God is first. I used to teach Greek in the seminary. That's an awful class to teach. Because you can really afflict students. And I'd ask my students, I'd say, fellows, have you had your quiet time this morning? They used to come to class with their eyes red, bloodshot, you know. I'd say, have you had your quiet time this morning? I said, having your quiet time is more important than doing your Greek lesson. Spending time with God is more important than... Getting your lesson ready. If you have a choice, spend time with God. You see, this is where it's at. Now, I'm not saying, professors, that if you go to class tomorrow and say, well, Pastor Montoya said that I should have my quiet time, so I didn't do my assignment. Flunk them. Okay, flunk him. But, But I'm trying to emphasize the fact that now's the time. Now's the time to set aside some time, spend time with God. Open the scriptures, begin to read them. Have your personal your personal devotional schedule of how you read the scriptures. How you read the scriptures. How you meditate. And get on your knees and pray. Get on your knees and pray. Pray whatever form you want to pray. But pray seriously. James tells us that it's the fervent, effective prayer of a righteous person that accomplishes much. You have needs in your life and we need to ask God for God to supply these things now and forever. And it's having that personal discipline of spending time with God that is going to get us there. I know there's some here this morning, you are very faithful. I had a roommate, his name was Steve. And Steve was as regular as a clock. I mean, the man was a, he was a godly man. And I owe my, I owe my spiritual life to him. He got me this far when I was in college, because a man would read and he would pray, and I was uh, I was living with a saint, the devil with a saint. That was what combination, and I was with him. And there's some of you liked it, but there's the, some of you that were like me at this point, you your quiet time, what quiet time? What time with God? What Bible reading? We're just kind of here going through the motions of it. My dear friend, if we're going to make it spiritually, in holiness, we're going to have to learn to spend time with God. To read the Word. Let it bathe you. Let it change you. Let it, let it do something to you. It is a cleansing instrument. It is a building instrument. And it's the Word of God that does it. Find the way you're going to do that. Some Find some way for you to read the Scriptures and to spend time with God. I mean, my personal goal to read through the Bible at least once a year. My personal goal. And to read through my Greek Bible once a year. Same time. It's a personal goal. Spend time with God every day. Open the Word of God. Never go to sleep without reading some portion of the Word of God. I will not go to sleep without reading some portion of the Word of God. It's the discipline. The discipline that produces godliness. That's what it is. To read the Word. To pray. You have needs like I have needs. You have many needs. Talk to God about them. Meditation. Meditation. You know there is in Second Peter the same word gubnazo used for ungodly teachers. And it says that they were trained in greed. Same word. Disciplined in greed. It's the same word. Second Peter 2.14 Trained in greed. These godless teachers. Which means that they, they trained themselves in the means so that all they could do was to be greedy. And the result was greediness. So an ungodly person can be trained in greed. Well, you see, you and I can be trained in Godliness. And as you start today and you start now in your session in school and you begin to put these things into operation, they will take you through life. The next 40, 50 years that God gives to you, you'll be a holy person, a godly person, and not some shipwrecked individual. All because we learn to be disciplined. And you know what? It can't, it can't be legislated on you. I have a couple of high school kids and one college kid and a high school kid. And I wish I could say, you know, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. I've never done that because you can't do that. It's got to come from within. It's got to be you. You've got to want it. You've got to say, I want to be a holy man. And then you get yourself into a discipline and the godliness. It can't be put on you because then it's not real. Then it's not godliness. It's just a religious ritual that has no power to it. Am I making sense this morning? Let me ask you another question. The same question. How's your quiet time? Did you have one this morning? Tomorrow, why don't you just get up a little bit earlier. Tomorrow, get up just a little bit earlier. Maybe a half hour. And start. Day's still young today. It's only 11.05. You don't go to bed until midnight anyway. Is that true? Find a half hour someplace. Half hour. I'm not talking about fasting and praying for five hours a day. I'm talking about just simply discipline and the godliness. Find some time. Pull away. Spend time with God. Begin to do it on a daily basis. On a daily basis. And you'd be surprised... What it can begin to do for you. Something happens in the inside, fellows. Your sexual temptations begin to leave you. They do, ladies. the the The, the feelings that the fears, the fears that you have, all of a sudden, they're not there anymore. An inner strength begins to take hold of you. Because you are becoming godlike, godly. You say you say "bea" is the Greek text. There, you're becoming the person that is that is Christ-like, and holy, devout, pious is the word that is used. Piety that that inner person is strengthened, reflected on the outside. That's where it's at discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness it can't be done from the outside it's got to be done from the inside you've got to want to do it you can't force it on you there's a second discipline i want to also mention this morning the first is the discipline of a devotional life the second one is the discipline of a the, the discipline in worship that you and I be disciplined in worship. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews 10, the apostle may have been Paul. Don't know who it was, but it's the word of God. Hebrews 10 and uh, verse 23. Hebrews 10:23. Could you go there, please, for just a moment in your Bibles? Hebrews 10:23. Let us hold fast the confession of a, of a hope without wavering, for he that promised is faithful. And then Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Provoke is another word that is used to uh, charge somebody up, to fire them up. And let's consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near." one of the things I really admire about the master's college is they don't give you a lot of legalism and all of this uh, do's and don'ts situation. And that's great. That's great. But the other aspect of it is that, is that unless you have personal discipline, that thing can work against you. Now the, the Holy Spirit says, listen, let's consider how you and I can provoke each other to love and good deeds. Doesn't it say that? How I can fire you up and you can fire me up. How you can help me be a godly man and I can help you be a godly woman. How you can help me walk with God and I'll help you walk with God. And then all of us together as pilgrims walking down the pathway of Christ, we head towards the celestial city. That's what he's saying. He says, not forsaking your assembling together as is the habit of some. There are some people, who says, they don't want to go to worship. They don't want to spend time with God collectively. They don't care about getting together with the Lord. With other, with God's people. They don't care about going to church. But we need to, he says, we need to for our own sake. Exercise the discipline of worship. Exercise the discipline of going, of going to worship. Of sanctifying as it were the Sabbath. And then, we are provoking each other to love and good deeds. You know, people of God, we are in a bad state. When I was a kid, I could go to town on Sunday. My brother and I used to go to town on Sunday. So we were pagan pagan kids. We used to go to the show on Sundays after Catholic Mass. We were Catholics. So we'd go to Mass, 8 o'clock Mass. We'd go to Mass and then learn nothing, then come home. And then we'd go to, go to the show at 1 o'clock in the afternoon for the matinee. And we'd see him three times. So we'd go from 1 to about 7, you know, and just memorize the films, you know. And... Uh, and I could go downtown on Sunday, and every store was closed. There wasn't a cat in the street. Yeah, it's right. We used to go window shopping because nothing was open except for thrifties. Today it's not that way. Today everything's open on Sundays. Very few things closed. And what's happening to Christians today is that the Lord's Day is no longer the Lord's Day. It becomes a holiday. It becomes a shopping day. It's the swap meet day. It's the beach day. It's everything else except the Lord's Day. Now, friend, I don't care about the world. They can do whatever they want to do. But what I'm saying for ourselves today is that you and I need to understand that the Lord's Day is special to us. And if you want something that's going to hold you holy and hold you godly, it's for you yourself to get to the point where you sanctify the Lord's day. Sanctify it. Make it a Lord's day. Make it a time for you to rest from your physical activities. Make it a time for you to rest from all that you do and sanctify it unto God. And you'll be surprised what it will do to you when in relation to godliness. A lot of our Christians don't do that. They don't go to church on a Sunday. They don't sanctify it. People know, I've been a pastor for 18 years, and I can tell you who has the most problems in their Christian life, those that are haphazard in their church attendance. I can tell you that. I can pull out a membership roster and tell you who it is that's going to be having most problems in their, in their Christian life is those that are most haphazard in church attendance. That's right. It'll happen to you as well. Something personal. To say, you know, I'm a Christian and God has given me this, uh, the Sabbath day. I have a Sunday to worship God. I'm going to sanctify it. I'm going to go to bed early Saturday night, get a good night's rest, get up in the morning and be refreshed. Get up in my scriptures and read and pray and sing. Go to church, the church of my choice. Get there in plenty of time, sit down and meditate and, and get into the worship of the songs, into the message and have God speak to me. Do you do that? We stay up all night Saturday night fooling around, having water fights, whatever you're going to have on Saturday night. Or out doing the town, falling asleep in church, can hardly sing, don't worship, don't get a thing out of the message because we've been prayed about it. You see, it's a personal discipline that comes from you. That comes from you. How do you take your Lord's Day? Are you a habitual churchgoer or are you not? Are you the kind of person that loves to get together and get provoked to love and good deeds? Or are you not? What's it like? What's it like? I'm not laying on you some, some legalistic trip. I'm just quoting what God said in Hebrews. You know, he, in, in Luke chapter 4, it says that Jesus went to the Sabbath. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath as was his custom. You know, Jesus always went to the synagogue on the Sabbath because that was his custom. He had a practice of doing that. He was disciplined under godliness. He was born under the law. And he did it. How much more ourselves? Isn't that true? Listen, the secular world's going by the wayside. Let him go. But worry about yourself. You worry about your life. We live in a country where God has given us an opportunity to take Sunday and sanctify it. It is ours. Sanctify it. Have it become a day of worship, a day of going close to God. Have it be that. And you know what it will do for you? It will discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. It will help you get to the point where you become a godly person. God is talking about that. And there are a thousand and one forces. A thousand and one forces that will make you get there. It will keep you away from that. Jobs. Activities. Etc. as a personal testimony. My wife and I have always sanctified the Sabbath for... 20 years of marriage, we've always sanctified the Sabbath. Never worked on a Sunday. Other things. Washing cars, mowing lawns, that that kind of stuff. It's the Lord's day. Our television doesn't go on on Sunday. It's the Lord's day. We're not legalistic. It's just that it's time for God. It's time just to give God refresh our spirits. It's the kind of things that we want God to do in our lives. I think it's paid off. No, it's our personal thing. We don't dump it on people. But I'm sharing with you how in our society that's not taking place anymore. And the, and your Sabbath has been taken away from you. The Lord's Day has been taken away from you. And we're losing that spiritual vitality, this kind of stuff that provokes us to love and good deeds. It's a personal thing I want to encourage you to learn to get yourself disciplined unto godliness by sanctifying the Lord's day. Sanctify. Let it be something. You know, become a church member. For instead, this is a day and age where people don't want to join churches. They just want to attend. They don't want to attend. You know why they don't want to join the church? Guess why? Because they have to do something. That's right. But more than that, why don't they join the church? Because they've got to be accountable. they got to be accountable. And we don't want to be accountable. I don't want people to tell me what to do. I want to do my own thing. But you know what? It's good to be accountable. Isn't it? It's good to be accountable. And it's great to be accountable. And so I encourage you to become a church member. And become accountable to somebody. And say to a brother, say to a sister, say to a a Sunday school teacher, listen, I want to be accountable to you. You keep your eye on me. And if I start to mess up, man, you call me out. I have young guys come and tell me, Pastor, uh, keep your eye on me. And if you see me getting wavered, you know, or going by the wayside, you call me out. I have young gals come and say, Pastor, uh, I want to date this fellow. What do you think about him? Is he okay? I said, no, the man's a snake. Oh, thank you for telling me. They're accountable. They're accountable. And it's great to be accountable. It's good to know that. Because it helps you to get provoked to love and good deeds, to walk righteously. People that don't want to be accountable, they want to do things in the dark, do things in the sly, and don't want anybody to tell them where to stop or what to do. And friends, I don't know about you, I know know about you. Every last one of us, we need to be accountable. Well, I found out that we're all the same stuff. Same things that tempt me, tempt you, don't they? Same hang-ups I have are the same hang-ups that you have. We're all the same. And so we all need to be accountable. And I want to encourage you to get yourself accountable. Go to your pastor, find yourself a church, some brother, some sister, and say, you know, I want to be accountable to you. Unless I want you to help me and provoke me to godliness and I want to provoke you to godliness. Walk around provoking each other. Not not toward bad things, but toward godliness. You know, encouraging each other up. Man, that's great. And it's a discipline that you and I need to exercise. Now going to submit to you a third. The third discipline this morning that I want to share with you first was devotional life. Secondly, was that you and I be disciplined in our Our worship on the Lord's Day. And the third is in the area of Christian ministry. Christian ministry. I think every Christian ought to have a ministry, ought to have some job, because that job provokes him to holiness. When I was in college, I uh, I used to jog. I was on the cross-country team. And uh, I I jogged because it was a scholarship, and so I jogged to get the scholarship. And I ran cross-country. They're pretty good. By the time I was a senior, I was doing pretty, I was, you know, as thin as this thing, and I was, you know, really doing well. And um, and then after college and got married, uh, I gained 50 pounds in three months. Boy, whew, you know, man, my wife could cook. She cooked for a for a tribe, you know, and, and, and I didn't want to disappoint her, so she said, here, you want to eat? And I said, well, yeah, let's eat, but I'd see this, you know, she'd cook like a whole chicken, you know, and a whole cow, you know, and everything else, and... And I didn't want to just—I didn't want to tell her I didn't want to eat it, you know. So I would eat it, you know. And she said, "You want some more?" And I said, "No, wasn't any good." No, it was good. Oh, they want some more then, well, you know. So I have to eat, and, you know. They finally, after about three months and 50 pounds, I said, "You know, babe, it's too much." I mean, look at us—we're holy rollers now. I mean, we're rolling around. I mean, you're, 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 you know. But I found in life, you know, in jogging, that if I just jog, just to jog, and I jog probably. You know, four miles every other day. But if I find that I really get into serious jogging, I need to have competitions. I need to have five k's and ten k runs. So every other Saturday or so many Saturdays, I have a race to run, and it provokes me to run harder, it provokes me to take it more seriously, it provokes me to get up in the morning when I don't feel like getting up and get out and do something. It just provokes me, and I choose my races. I choose the ones that I want to run. Because it keeps me going. You know, much the same way your ministry provokes you to holiness, provokes you to godliness. When you find a ministry, it provokes you to godliness because it begins to have you think about your ministry and about the people you're ministering to. One of the great uh, great benefits a pastor has when it comes to holiness is that he has to be holy people, a holy man, because he's got to minister to people. The provokes him. That really does. You gotta watch every single step you take. Because you know that people are watching you. And it's good, it's bad, but it's good. It's mostly good. And I want to say to you this morning, get yourself a ministry. Sunday school, a convalescent hospital, a preaching ministry, a youth position someplace. Any kind of ministry, get yourself into a ministry and commit yourself and be faithful to it. And it provokes you, it provokes you to ministry. My, wife, my daughter went to Canada this summer. You know, it provoked her to godliness. She went as a missionary to the uh, Canadian Indians up there. And, they, and she went for four weeks. And then she, she said, you know, Dad, uh, it's hard here. And I have to give Bible studies, and I have to pray, and I have to get into the Word. But it was good for us. He was provoked to get into the Word and to pray and to study and to take God seriously. I think it's great. And if you want the same kind of provocation, the same kind of of of, of, of charge in your life to, to get you praying and reading seriously, is for you to get yourself a ministry. I don't get some Mickey Mouse ministry where you just kind of die. Get something that stretches you. Some of you guys ought to be preaching every weekend. Where? Hit the street. Go to some park. Yeah, get some park and get some PA systems and get out there and just preach. Throw bullets at you and knives and all that. Boy, that teaches you to pray quick. It really does. It's just yourself into some serious stuff. Get on to ministering to, to teenagers. Ministering to people. You know, what makes you pray. It makes you study hard. It makes you walk how you need to walk. You know, the lives of people depend upon us. The spiritual lives of people depend upon you. And upon me. And when that reality hits you, you begin to watch how, how you walk. How you live. How you conduct yourself. If you're a young man, you know, and it, it, it makes you think about, about promiscuity and about getting into some bad relationship because, you know, your kids are watching you. And, they, and you're their example and you're their leader. And it has something to do with their spiritual life, the way you live. And I would encourage you. Paul tells Timothy here, the great exhortation to Timothy for him to get himself disciplined in the godliness was simply this. Timothy, people are watching you. P- Timothy, you're an elder. You're a pastor. You're a man of God. You're leading people to holiness and righteousness, man. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. If you don't, you're going you're gonna to wipe yourself out and you're going to wipe them out too. For God's sake, Timothy, get yourself together. You're a preacher. You're a minister. Get down and watch yourself. Be an example to the believer in all these things, in faith, in holiness, in purity, in speech, and conduct. I mean, you're walking on glass because people are watching you. Their eternal destiny depends on how you lead them. Boy, if that doesn't motivate you for godliness, I don't know what does. I'm afraid some of us are here, and we don't care how we live or who we damn. We don't. You don't care how you live and how you, who you damn. And I say that it's a, I say that seriously. You don't care who you send to hell by the way you live. You might have a you might have a girl right now you're dating, and on some Saturday night or some evening you're taking a drive. Out someplace into these bushes and you're making out and you might get her pregnant. You don't, you don't, you don't care about her. You don't care about her spiritual life. You don't care about her devotional life. You don't care about her walk with God. You don't care about her parents or anybody else because all you care is about yourself. You don't care how you live. Friend, you're gonna hurt somebody. And you're gonna live with that for the rest of your life. Watch it. God sends these gals to you guys, for you gals to disciple them, not to mess them up. Mothers and fathers, pray for them and keep them pure and keep them virgins and bring them here and give them to you, fellows, so you can keep them holy and pure and not to mess them up. Am I making sense this morning or not? Yes or no? That's what it's done. And likewise, you gals. These guys are prepared by their parents, and they're prayed over by their fathers, and all that to bring them to you, so you can so you can keep them holy and keep them righteous and keep them walking with God, not for you to entice them like some Jezebel and cut their hair like some Delilah and get and send them blind and useless and empty and dead out of this institution. Am I making sense this morning? I didn't hear you. All right. You see, we're here to provoke each other. To help each other. We're a family. We're a team. Are we not? We're here to do something for God. Get yourself a ministry. And watch the way you live. Discipline yourself. Gugnazo, gymnasium. What does it take to be disciplined? A goal. What does it take? Hard work. Hard work. How do you win a 10K run? you got to run. And run and run and run. And it takes habitual, it takes repetition. You do it again and 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 again. And guess what? Do it. Have it become a part of your life. You know what? And when you're trained, it's easy. It's easy. For me, it's easy to get up and run a six-mile race. No big thing. But you're trained. should be easy to get up and pray half hour, an hour, every day. Because you're trained. Easy to read for 30, 40 minutes an hour, worship God. Because you're trained. Easy to spend the Lord's day because you train. trained. Friends, this morning I had other sermons to bring to you but they're already preached. But the one that I brought you this morning I think, I, I really believe would do the most good in the long haul. Discipline yourself. No one can do it for you. You do it for the purposes of godliness. Listen to Bor Hedge Pro right now. Every head about every close.